Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by former Cornell women's hockey player, Lenka Sirdar. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Lenka, and how's everything going? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on today. Now, besides uh, professional hockey, I'm just curious what you've been up to since graduating Cornell a few years ago. Yeah, so I graduated from Cornell in 2019, um, and since then I've had a pretty non-traditional route throughout professional women's ice hockey. I actually moved to Europe, and I've played three seasons abroad. Um, I played in Germany, Finland, Czechia, and last season in Sweden. And then since my little adventure in Europe, I've actually moved back to the U.S., and now I'm playing professionally for the Connecticut Whale. That's awesome. And I'm just curious, do you still watch uh, college hockey today? And if so, what are your thoughts on just college hockey right now for the women's game? And who do you think will win the national championship this year? That's a tough question. Um, I definitely do still watch uh, college hockey when I can. I think it's getting more competitive with every season. It's so much fun to watch. I mean, even since I graduated, the game has grown so much. It's faster, more physical, more skilled. Um, so it's definitely really fun to watch. I've actually been to a couple of games in person this season. Um, I was actually at the first game of the ECAC quarterfinals of Quinnipiac versus St. Lawrence last weekend. Um, and so that was really fun to see in person live. Um, and as for the national championship, I don't know. I, I want to say probably if I had to pick one team, I would say probably Northeastern, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like they're a bit, I mean, there are a lot of really talented teams right now, but um, they haven't, the last couple of seasons, they've been really close to winning it. And I think this is the year they'll come through. Yeah, especially with all those players returning like Mueller, Arar, and Murphy, who I think might be the best line in women's college hockey right now. And obviously, Gwyneth Phillips is a great goalie. So I, I that was sort of, I'm thinking that they might win too, but I feel it's going to be tough because I think they're going to have to go out in the road for their first uh, play, our regional game. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out um, in a couple of weeks. But it's you sort of answered my next question, but um, have you been back to Cornell since you graduated and gone to a game? And if so, what's it like going as a fan and not as a player? Um, unfortunately, I haven't been back to Cornell since I graduated um, because I've been abroad and I've been super busy with my own schedule. Sometimes it's hard to find time to see, you know, Cornell women's ice hockey when I'm still playing, you know, because our games uh, coincide. But um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I would love to go back. I know that this summer in July, there's a big 50th women's ice hockey reunion at Cornell. So I'm definitely going to be back for that. And I'm really looking forward to being back with my teammates and the coaching staff. Um, but I'm definitely supporting the team, you know, as much as I can, following all their news and all that. So really exciting to be a part of still as alumni. And I'm really proud to be an alum of Cornell. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be cool to see some of your teammates, obviously. Um, again, have you, what's, do you still talk to any of your teammates uh, today? Yeah, yeah, I definitely am still in touch um, with my closest friends on the team. And unfortunately, there's, um, there's only one other Cornellian in the PHF this season. Um, and there's still a couple other players playing um, post-graduation, but I wish I could see them more often. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. talented players and I miss them all very much. So let's transition now and talk about the beginning of your hockey career and kind of work all the way up to throughout your college hockey career. So um, doing research on yourself, uh, you're from Lexington, Massachusetts. So uh, talk about growing up there and how did you start playing hockey? 
Yeah, so growing up in the Boston area, I would say it's it's pretty big hub for women's ice hockey. And at the time I was growing up, my brother was my older brother was playing ice hockey, and he was definitely a big role role model of mine. And um, yeah, I just wanted to follow in his footsteps, so I started. You know, I actually started figure skating first. <laughs> um, I did not like that. Maybe lasted two days. It was not for me. But um, shortly thereafter, I started playing ice hockey. Um, and I grew up playing, uh, for Assabet Valley and the East Coast Wizards. Um, and I still played a lot of boys hockey as well in the area. So I just played as much as I could and I loved it. Mm -hmm. Who was your favorite player growing up? Was it someone on the Bruins, I presume, or was it a women's player on the national team? Um, I would say probably my biggest role model growing up was David Krejci. Um, he's a center for the Bruins. He's also Czech. And so, me being a dual U.S. Czech citizen and my family being from the Czech Republic, you know, it was, it was kind of that perfect role model for me. So I loved his game. I loved how poised he is, poised he is with the puck. And um, he has great vision on the ice, a great playmaker. And um, so I'd say he was probably my biggest role model. Unfortunately, at the time that I was growing up, I didn't really have a true women's hockey role model. Um, and, you know, that's something that we're trying to change now the landscape of women's ice hockey is growing so much and now there are pros now there are you know really elite um athletes to look up to and i hope that um current kids are able to look up to women's athletes as well that's awesome yeah i was a david Krejci fan myself growing up being a big bruins fan but i've honestly started to be more of a pasta guy now uh as the years have gone on just because I, he's such he's in my opinion he's the best uh goal scorer in the nhl outside of mcdavid Oh yeah, I love David Pasternak. He actually today he just signed a. I know, I was pretty. Oh. That, that was good news to wake up to. Oh, amazing! <laughs> so no, yeah, that, that Bruins team. Uh, if they don't win the cup this year, then I don't know. I guess it's just I would never want to win the President's Trophy ever again because that that team is so loaded this year. I don't know. I don't know how any other team can beat them this year. Honestly, it's going to be crazy to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm so excited to follow every game, and it's actually nice because this year I'm living in the U.S., so I'll be able to watch the games versus in the past couple of years with the time change. It's been so difficult to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs, so really looking forward to watching the Bruins hopefully win a cup this year. Yeah, especially as a Czech uh, citizen, like the Bruins are the best team because they have so many Czech players on the team, so that must be fun from that aspect as well. Totally. I love the um, the checkmate line, Zaka. Um, Krejci and Pasternak. It's an it's an awesome line. So much fun. Yeah, for sure. Now, before Cornell, um, just doing research, you played for Naha White, um, which is a school in Vermont. So I'm curious how you got the opportunity to play there, uh, being from Massachusetts and going over to Vermont. Yeah, so I played um, a couple of years of prep school hockey in um, the Boston area at BBNN, eighth and ninth grade, and then I think I was at some sort of showcase maybe in the summer or something and I had the opportunity to go play um for the North American Hockey Academy and um I after talking with my family and everything we felt that it was a great opportunity for me to kind of develop my game further and take that ne next step of playing a much longer more competitive season against all the best teams in the U.S. and Canada so I was really fortunate to be able to play there and I think it developed my game tremendously um I played alongside some really fantastic players and um, yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity. I'm just so lucky that I got to play there. Yeah, to talk a little bit about your development at Naha and how it helped prepare you for college hockey with Cornell. Yeah, so because it's a very elite hockey academy, the way that the, it's structured is 
you know, you, you're practicing every day, you're training every day. Um, of course, you have your classes and your schoolwork and all that stuff, but it very much so mimics what would be like a college schedule. Um, so I think it prepared me perfectly um, for college. Um, I think when I played prep school, it, it also prepared me in a different way, but that schedule was less like my my college schedule. So I definitely think that playing at Naha prepared me very well for what was to come at Cornell. Now, what's the best memory you have um, at Naha when you look back on it today? Um, I would say we won the JWHL championship one year, and that was pretty special. Um, I was so lucky to play with such great teammates, and we had so much fun. So I think probably that season was my favorite, um, but they're also different in, in many different ways. So it's hard to say. Now, talk a little bit about your recruitment process to Cornell. How did that work out for yourself? Who reached out to you and what made you want to go there versus other schools you might have looked at? Um, yeah, so um, it was actually funny the way it all happened because Cornell was actually the last school to contact me at the time. And I was kind of already leaning a different direction. And then I decided to go for a visit. My older sister actually graduated from Cornell and she's like, Blanca, you have to go check it out, you know? So so I went. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, the coaching staff, the school, the team, the tradition, that's the Cornell women's ice hockey tradition is unlike any other in college sports. And um, I was so excited about that opportunity. I remember I remember Coach DeRoe said, you know, we want to recruit people who want a challenge. Like we want people here who want to be challenged academically, athletically, to grow as a person and develop their character. And so I just, I felt like when I had that conversation with coach, I felt like it fit me and kind of that like chip on the shoulder kind of work ethic player that I was. So, um, yeah, so I, I was just, I felt like it was home. And so I was mm-hmm. so happy to to attend Cornell University and play four years for the Big Red. It, it was honestly some of the best years of my life. And I'm so thankful for everything that I've um, been a part of and grown from there. What other schools were you looking at going to? I feel like you can say that now since you graduated a few years ago. Disappoint some fans of other teams. <laughs> I was looking at other Ivy League schools for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, some other hockey East programs, Boston schools, a couple out West, but I'm really happy I went to Cornell. Yeah. And obviously, what was like sort of the biggest adjustment you had to make um, as a freshman? Um, was it on the ice or off the ice? And sort of talk about um, how you sort of managed, how you sort of transitioned from uh, junior hockey at Naha to Cornell at, at Ithaca. Yeah. So the college game, I mean, the transition was not the easiest, I would say. But I think, you know, it takes a little bit of time for everybody. And um, it took me, I don't know, maybe a month or two before I really started feeling comfortable and settling into the new game. I would say the college game is obviously more fast. It's Yeah, it's faster, stronger. But I think the biggest adjustment for me was adjusting to the level of detail that our coach expected of us. Um, at Cornell, we have like a particular system and um, you know, he really expects everybody to buy into it and to compete and, you know, execute all those tiny details that make us champions. And so um, I think that was the biggest adjustment was the systems aspect of things um, and playing that sort of, you know, certain forecheck or certain penalty kill versus, you know, at Naha or at other programs in club, you're kind of you do have a system, but it's not as detailed per se. Yeah. One thing I noticed about the Cornell coaching staff is it's been the same people for like the past few years, which you don't normally see. Usually it's the same head coach, but the assistants sort of transition. So obviously everyone knows about Coach Doreau, but talk about the assistants at Cornell and how they helped your game. Yeah. 
So I would say Coach Edith, she is she's awesome. She is amazing. She really encourages everybody to work hard and have fun. Um, she is mainly in charge of the PK and like defensive side of the game, goaltending. She was a goalie herself. Um, so I learned so much from her, especially on the PK. Um, I was fortunate enough to be um, on penalty killing units all four years of college, even as a freshman. Um, so I think that I learned so much from her over the years. Um, and then my other coach, Coach Jackson, um, he was more of like the power play offensive assistant coach. So I learned so much from him as well because that side of my game has always been an area that I've been trying to improve throughout my career. And, you know, he kind of helped me work on that creativity a bit more. And um, they're definitely both fantastic uh, coaches, and I miss them a lot. Now, how did you balance both hockey and academics and Ivy League school? Yeah, definitely a challenge, um, but that's what I wanted, right? And that's why I wanted to go to Cornell. Um, I was a biology and society major, so I had a lot of science-heavy classes, and definitely at Cornell, they're, they're larger classes, and they're pretty challenging. So I definitely had a lot of schoolwork. I did a lot of schoolwork on the road, and I think um, probably time management is the biggest thing is because when you're a Division I athlete, you have so much going on. You have practice, you have video, you have workouts and all these different things, and you have to manage that with your classes and your tests and your exams. So um, time management was huge for me. Now, during your freshman year, you guys got to play in an in-season tournament in Vermont, which I thought was pretty cool since you went to Anaha. So talk a little bit about that in-season tournament and what it was like winning it nonetheless, because I feel like that was the highlight of your freshman year, just looking through the schedule. Yeah, definitely. Um, freshman year was probably, I would say, the most challenging for us. Um, but that tournament was probably the highlight, as you said, being able to return back to Vermont and have, you know, professors and people in attendance that I had just seen, you know, a couple years prior and having them see me now play at Cornell and achieving my dream of playing Division One ice hockey was it was pretty special. And so that was that was awesome. And obviously your team improved a lot from your freshman year to your sophomore year. So I'm curious, what did your team do during that offseason to make such improvements? And what role do you think you played in that? Yeah, I would definitely say the year before I entered, Cornell was um, had a really great season, and they were probably out of the top teams in the ECAC. And then, as you said, my freshman year, we kind of struggled. We were you know, more of a 500 team, and um, we were kind of having a hard time getting the results we wanted. Um, and then, as you said, my sophomore year, things totally turned around and we were back to the Cornell that everyone knew. And I would say the biggest thing is um, in that off season, going from my freshman to sophomore year, um, we really worked. We worked so hard. We knew that that season that we had just had was not up to standard for our school. And so we worked so hard. Um, and we also had some incredible freshmen come in during my sophomore year who really helped our team as well. And they made an immediate impact. So I'd say those two things really turned it around for us. And uh, my sophomore year, we were so much closer as a team and the results certainly show that. Yeah. And uh, throughout your Cornell career, Cornell was consistently one of the best um, teams in women's college hockey. I'm curious how you guys maintained that so much success during that time period and uh, what's sort of the key to that sustainability and consistency that your team had. I think leadership, um, not only did we have incredible coaching staff, but the leaders that we had in the locker room that really pushed us every day, even when we were having, you know, really great stretch of games or when we lost a couple and we needed to turn around. I think the leaders in the locker room really um, stepped up at the right times and 
I guess we just were able to kind of be consistent in that way because we had really great leadership. Now, in your sophomore year, you guys made it to the ECAC final and lost to Clarkson. Uh, so I kind of want to ask about what you learned in that uh, final loss that helped your team out when you were heading into the national tournament that season. Yeah, I would definitely say that game, I remember that game still. Um, yeah, Clarkson, they're definitely one of the biggest rivals throughout my career. And I think we just, I don't know, just being able to bounce back, I would say, is what we learned from that. and. They were definitely um, a really talented team offensively, and so we had to sort of rely on our defense and our goaltending um, to carry us through, and we faced them again, you know, in the national tournament. Yeah. And we didn't have a better result, unfortunately. Um, I think they went on – I don't remember if that was the year they went on to win it or if it was the year after, but um, – I think they did win it that season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that was that was definitely – um, I mean, of course, looking back, you really wish you could have at least won the ECACs or beaten them in the tournament. But, um, you know, that was such a great season for us in general, my sophomore year. And um, so fortunate to be able to battle with that group of, of girls. And, um, yeah, it was it was tough, tough way to end. But that's how it goes. Yeah, I feel like that tournament experience was crucial for your team because I feel like it's hard for teams that have never been to the tournament to make the tournament go all the way. Usually you need to lose a little bit to sort of know what it takes to win. And honestly, during that COVID year, I know you were graduated at that point, but I thought Cornell was probably going to win the championship that year because they went through that experience of losing in the tournament. And I just, I feel like those experiences really help players um, for their next few years in college hockey, knowing how to lose and what it takes to win. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, as an upperclassman in the team, I'm curious, what type of leadership did you want to bring to the team? Uh, were you more of a vocal leader or lead by example type of player? Um, I would say maybe a combination. Um, when I was an upperclassman, I tried to kind of bring that work ethic every day and that compete level, especially in practice. I mean, my coaches were always saying like that that was the, the strength of my game. And so um, we did a lot of battling in practice, a lot of defensive work and that sort of thing, a lot of shot blocking. Even in practice, we would practice shot blocking. So um, so that was definitely something that I wanted to contribute as an upperclassman and sort of inspire that same effort and that same mentality in the underclassmen because it's so important, um, especially, as you said, you know, when you lose a game or the results don't go your way, you know, you have to find a way to get back on track. And so I think that always comes from work ethic. Um, so I think that was the way that I tried to lead. Um, I know that the team, we had so many good leaders um, my, my junior and senior years. So um, I think we all just sort of piggybacked off each other and that's what made us so successful. I feel like having good captains is an understatement because those two years I'm trying, you had uh, Aaron Phillips as one of your captains, you had Mika Zandy Hart as one of your captains and Kristen O'Neill. I'm curious what they were like as leaders because I think it's not often you see a sophomore become a captain of an Ivy League team. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely, uh, it speaks to sort of the character that they have, that they were able to be upperclassmen, even um, at a young age, uh, um, even as a sophomore. I'm not sure what happened here. Sorry, my, my computer's doing something funny. Okay, sorry, I'm back. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would definitely say that, um, you know, that totally speaks to their character, uh, being able to be a leader, have that C or that A on your jersey, even as an underclassman. 
Um, I mean, they definitely earned the respect of their teammates from the second they, they walked in the door um, type thing. So very lucky to have been playing with them and to consider them close friends um, and to still watch them to this day competing for Team Canada. I'm really proud of them and all they've accomplished in their careers. Yeah, Kristen O'Neill, I think, is one of the more underrated players in women's college hockey. Like, I think what's crazy about her game is she's so physical, yet, like, you wouldn't know that if you, like, just saw her play for, like, a few seconds. And she's a great goal scorer and a great two-way player. And I love her, I love her work ethic. I think that's what sort of makes her such a great player. She's always one of the hardest working players on every team she's on. So, yeah, that must have been fun to play with a player like that. Absolutely. Yeah. She's so speedy, so tenacious, so good in any situation you put her in. And it's exactly that. It's her work ethic. It's her compete. It's her dedication to the sport, her discipline. And Micah Zandy Hart is also a fantastic leader. Um, I, I was able to catch up with her actually at the Olympics last year, and it was the first time I had seen her since graduation. And um, it was just so special to be able to talk and to reconnect after all of those years. She's she's an awesome leader and really excited to see what the rest of her career has in store for them. Now, during your senior year, your team had a crazy run to the ECAC championship game. You guys beat RPI in a three-game series, and then you beat Princeton in double overtime in the semifinal game. And obviously, it led you to uh, go to the ECAC championship game. But unfortunately, your team lost to Clarkson. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, just talk about that run and what you took away from it. Because even though you lost the ECAC championship game, I feel like that run really prepared you guys up for your tournament game against Northeastern. Yeah, um, what was special about that season was we were able to host the ECAC championship at Lina, um, and that was really awesome to be able to do that my senior year and have, you know, my family there supporting me um, and the whole team, really. Um, it was so awesome, and I remember, you know, we kind of, that first series against RPI, you know, you kind of expect the number one seed to kind of just roll through in two games, you know, and it took us three, so um, I think that that was kind of a testament not only to a very, you know, talented RPI team, but also uh, our locker room and being able to be resilient, bounce back for that third game and get the win. And then that double overtime game against Princeton, I still remember. Um, I was actually on the ice when we scored the the overtime winner. And um, it was just such an amazing feeling uh, to finally, I don't know, to finally see our team just like have that success, you know, at home in front of our band, in front of all of our classmates and our families and um, our coaches were so proud of us. And then, you know, of course, it's back to Clarkson, right, for the finals. And um, we would have absolutely loved to win the ECACs at home against them. And unfortunately, it didn't happen that game. And um, but it absolutely set us up for what was to come against um, Northeastern. Um, when we beat them in overtime and then so the tournament to make it to the Frozen Four. Um, and I think we really just had a lot of uh, a lot of pieces that maybe we had been missing in the past. And, um, you know, it, as as the game gets better and better each season, I think that having that depth and having all of all of our roster contribute is what allowed us to make it to the Frozen Four. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that Northeastern game that you guys won, because obviously losing a championship game is never easy, but to sort of bounce back from that and get a big win against a really good Northeastern team that I feel like was on the cusp of sort of what they're doing now. Um, what do you remember from that game? And just talk about your re reaction when Gillis got that OT winner. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, I remember that it was a battle. Um, I remember that we were playing at Matthews Arena and um, – I had a lot of family and friends in attendance because, you know, being from Boston and all of that. 
Um, and then I remember when we started going into overtime, you know, right. We were all just like, guys, we got this. Like we had a, we had the feeling in the locker room that we were going to win. We just had it. Um, and then when Gillis tucked that five hole breakaway goal in and overtime, I mean, it was just, we were all just ecstatic. And, um, I remember, I just remember our celebration in the locker room afterwards, we were all just dancing and having a great time and really enjoying the moment because it was the first time that we had made it to the frozen four in many years. And, um, yeah, that was awesome. And talk a little bit more about that Frozen Four experience that you had both on and off the ice. I went to a Frozen Four last year uh, for the men's side in Boston. It was really cool, sort of the whole circumstance that they put on with the red carpet and stuff. I'm curious as a player what that experience is like going on the red carpet and just doing all that fun um, out of not off the ice stuff that the Frozen Four has. Yeah, um, definitely. I would say the pinnacle of college hockey um, is being at the Frozen Four. Um, it was it was special. I remember the other teams that were also there were top dominant programs, you know, that had been dominating for years. And just to be on that same carpet as them was kind of we were all a little awestruck at first because none of us had had been there before. And, um, you know, it took us, you know, a little bit to settle in. But then we realized, look, guys, we made it here. We earned it. We have every right to be here. And I think we proved that we played well um, against Minnesota. And ultimately, we didn't get the result we wanted. But I think we absolutely competed and we showed everybody what that team was made of that season yeah you played your last college hockey game against minnesota in the frozen four um it's never easy to lose most it, i think like 95 percent of players their last game it always ends on a loss which is always tough so i'm curious sort of what emotions are you feeling after playing your final game um, but i think it's always pretty good to play your final game in a frozen four <laughs> yeah um yeah, definitely, I would say kind of bittersweet, right? Because on the one hand, you're just so proud of, you know, the other seniors that you played alongside for four years, and you're proud of all the um, underclassmen and how far they've grown and what's still to come for them. And then you're also really sad because you realize you're not going to play for Cornell anymore. And um, it was actually kind of funny because, um, so as you said, my, my last collegiate game was at Quinnipiac. And I was at the rink last weekend watching the ECAC quarterfinal game there. And it was the first time I had been back at that rink since we lost. Um, and it was a bit, you know, I was kind of emotional. I was kind of like, wow, I remember, you know, a couple of years ago what it was like being here for the Frozen Four. And, um, you know, it's just it's just to look back and realize how lucky and fortunate I was to have those opportunities. And um, I'm really thankful to be a part of Cornell, that family forever. And, um, look forward to supporting the team and also seeing the growth of the women's ice hockey game continue in the future. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, I think there's a bright future ahead for Cornell. Obviously, it's disappointing that they never got to play that tournament in 2020. Um, but they have like, I know they have a Rory Gilday, who's a def- defender that is playing for Team USA. And Ashley Messier is a really talented player as well. So they're, and I know they're going to bring in some other top freshmen in uh, next season. So I think the future is bright for Cornell. And I think the ECAC is probably the most competitive conference, in my opinion, in women's college hockey. And I think Cornell is going to definitely take a step up next year and sort of compete with Colgate, Quinnipiac, and Yale. And I'm interested to see how that all plays out next year. So that's sort of a program that you can never count out Coach Durrell. I feel like he always – his teams always compete no matter what. Absolutely, yeah. I'm so looking forward to – seeing the Cornell Big Red compete in action going forward. I I agree. I think they're trending up, so I'm excited to see what they can do next season. Now, what have you taken away from your college hockey career with Cornell that has helped you as an adult today and as a professional hockey player? 
Um, I think I learned a lot. Um, we did a lot of sort of team development stuff and character building and having Coach DeRoe lead our squad. And um, I think that, you know, we had some adversity, of course, and that kind of makes you grow as a person. So, you know, perhaps maybe not winning those ECAC championships or, you know, having certain things happen here and there or ebbs and flows of the game, I think really helped me grow um, in terms of character and sort of that uh, that sort of persistent effort, you know, that persistent work ethic and just realizing that no matter what happens, you bring the same energy, you bring that same spirit every single game, every single time you have to compete because at the end of the day, you know, time is precious and you can't play ice hockey forever. So I think I just learned so much about um, what it means to be uh, an elite athlete. And I'm so thankful for everything that I've learned from the coaching staff and my teammates at Cornell. I do want to ask you one question about post-college hockey and this is going to be a very broad question but what was the olympics like because i thought seeing that you played in it that was pretty cool and i thought that czech team was super underrated and i feel like czech hockey starting to grow because you're just there's so many at least in college hockey there's like a lot of good players that are like czech that are like one of the top players on many different teams throughout the country so it'll be interesting to see how they uh how that uh, how that country continues to grow hockey especially with finland on the rise as well in sweden so i'm just curious what was that experience like for you it was, it's hard to describe. I mean, it's besides the frozen floor, I would say once you've kind of graduated from collegiate hockey, it's definitely the pinnacle of the sport, you know, playing at the Olympics. And um, unfortunately, the, the state of the professional women's game is still growing. So we don't necessarily have like the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, there's the Isabel Cup, of course, but it's not that same level of intensity. And so um, as the Olympics, right, those are the best teams in the world going at it internationally. And so that was just incredible. I mean, to have that opportunity to represent the Czech Republic and compete alongside some incredible athletes, not only from Czechia, but from other countries as well, was something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And so um, I'm excited to see how the game continues to grow. It's, uh, as you said, it's really cool because now you're starting to see a lot of other teams besides the U.S. and Canada um, really stepping up and growing their game and development. And so seeing Czechia and Finland and Sweden and all these other countries really starting to um, perform a lot better and sort of have those results where they're able to take down a top team is, is pretty cool. And I'm excited to see it continue to grow. Yeah. You saw USA, I think lose to Sweden, the U18 uh, world championships this past year. So I think uh, there's definitely going to be some, um, I feel like the Canada USA gold medal game that usually happens every Olympics at some point that I think there will be a different country involved with that. So We'll see how that happens, obviously, as the years progress. But let's get into the non-hockey segment now. Uh, this is a segment where I ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, so, obviously, uh, for the Frozen Four, there's the red carpet. Um, besides yourself, who do you think had the best um, outfit in that red carpet from your team? Ooh, best outfit. Best style. Hmm, that's a tough question. I would have to say Micah Zandy Hart. She's she's got this style, this aura to her, and she just she rocked it. <laughs> Who was the funniest on the team when you were at Cornell? Oof, funniest person. That's also tough to answer. I might have to say a couple of people. Um, I would say it's a three-way tie between Amy Curlew, Pippi Jirasi, and Paige Lewis. And then last teammate question, but who, which teammate took the longest to respond to any phone calls or text messages that you had? Who? Um, 
I would have to say Devin Fashionado. Um, she was also very funny and, um, yeah, a great teammate, but probably took the longest to respond to messages most of the time. <laughs> so if there was ever an emergency, you knew not to contact her at least. <laughs> no, certainly not, no. Uh, getting back to some other non-hockey questions now, if there was a movie made about your life, uh, who would you want to play yourself? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, certainly not. I I would not want to participate. I'm definitely not a good actress. Um, I don't know. Maybe Jennifer Aniston. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody I, I with character, and good humor. Yeah. And then last non hockey question. This is sort of a hockey question, but uh, what is the most embarrassing hockey moment of your career? Have you ever like gotten your ankles broken or checked before or something other than that, like fall down during warm ups or something? Hmm. You know, I don't have any gleaming stories off the top of my head. I have some stories about some of my teammates wearing skate guards on the ice to, to yeah. get on the ice. But nothing, nothing that I remember, per se. That's good. That's good. That's good. Hopefully it stays that way for, for at least the rest of your hockey career. I hope so. And then uh, I guess one more non-hockey question, but uh, what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? I don't know if I don't know if I'd call it interesting, but pretty awesome that David Pasternak is returning to Boston for eight years. Yeah, honestly, there was part of me that was worried that wasn't going to happen. So I'd say that's the same thing for me as well. Yeah. And then obviously, I think the Bruins trade um, for Tyler Bertuzzi as well today. I just saw that, so it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. I heard Foligno and Hall are going to be out until the playoffs, so hopefully um, everyone will be healthy come postseason time. Like I know this might sound crazy, but I. Hope they sort of tone it down a little bit as this towards the end of the regular season because I don't want guys getting hurt trying to win the President's Trophy because I want all I want a healthy team heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is if the Bruins are healthy, I I see them making a really long run in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, um, yeah, I I'm so excited to see what they do this postseason. Now, getting back to some hockey questions now. First one is, what should be done to help grow women's hockey, in your opinion? I feel like you have a good response to this because you're in a professional women's hockey league that's trying to grow the game. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of things that can be done. Um, I think one of the biggest things is visibility and marketing. Um, It is a business at the end of the day, and, you know, we need to generate a lot of fans in order to generate a more professional women's league. Um, I think the product is pretty much – awesome as is. I think we have fantastic players. And if we were able to combine into one dominant league, you know, um, of international players, not only American and Canadians, but, you know, Czech players and Finnish players and Swedish players and German players, I think that um, having that visibility, you know, not only just on ESPN, but broadcasted on regular TV all the time, I think that um, we need that as a sport. Um, And I think that that will just grow our game to new levels, new heights. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that the women's game has so much potential for growth, and it's come so far already. So I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes in the next five to ten years. And then, obviously, uh, for all the younger people that are listening to this episode, what advice do you have for them on what it takes to make it to the collegiate level where you were just a few years ago? I would say um, definitely to work hard, but at the end of the day, have fun and don't take things too seriously. Um, I think there are moments in my career where I was maybe too intense. Um, and I, looking back, I wish I had just 
tried to step back, you know, as hard as it is to step back and see the bigger picture and realize that at the end of the day, we play the game because we're passionate and we love it. Um, and so to have fun is, I think it's awesome. Well, do you have any shout outs you want to give uh, to your former teammates, family members, friends, uh, feel free to give them a shout out now. Um, I would say my family. I'm so lucky that my family have been supporting me my whole career, especially when I was younger. They made so many sacrifices so that I could take that next step and, you know, go to Naha or go to Cornell. And so I'm so lucky um, that I have their support over the years. And of course, a huge shout out to all my teammates, coaches, um, Coach Darrell, of course, and all the fantastic Cornellians I've played alongside, Micah Zandi Hart and Pippi Jirasi and Jamie Bourbonnet, Grace Graham, Paige Lewis, you know, all of my my closest teammates that um, I miss a lot. And I wish I could go back and play one more game with them for the Big Red, but um, really thankful for all for all of them. Any uh, players that we should interview from Cornell uh, next? Who would be like someone that would be interested in? I would say I would say probably Micah. Yeah, Micah would be a great person to interview or or Jamie. I mean, they're both still playing for Team Canada and playing at the highest level. So I don't know if you've maybe already interviewed Kristen O'Neill, but I would say definitely. I have interviewed Kristen O'Neill. She's one of the nicest people of all time. Yeah, yeah, she's super nice. Um, so I would definitely say Micah and Jamie if you get the chance. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely reach out and see what happens. But thank you, uh, Laika, though, for coming on the pod. I really appreciate your time. It means a lot to myself. And uh, good luck uh, for the rest of uh, your PHF season. And hopefully uh, you'll win the Isabel Cup. Uh, I have no dog in the fight, so may the best team win for that. So, But thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate your time. And uh, best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And um, it was a pleasure being on the podcast.